Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Carrie Borsters of U.S. Signal. Carrie, it's really nice to have you here. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. So, Carrie, tell me a bit about yourself and what you do and your company as well. Sure. I'm the Regional Vice President of Sales for U.S. Signal, and I'm located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where our headquarters is also located. And the team that I support and work with are sales reps. They're all located in Michigan between West and Southeast Michigan, so Grand Rapids Metro and Detroit Metro. And our team works with customers that are primarily headquartered in Michigan and Ohio. U.S. Signal is a, the largest privately held data center services provider in the Midwest. So we've been around for 20 years. And the cornerstone of our business is the 14,000 miles of fiber, lit fiber that we own. And so we really started 20 years ago almost as a carrier's carrier and over time have added data center co-location services and data center services. So that has allowed us to have almost like if you visualize a stool and you have three legs of it, you have network as one leg, you have co-location, data center services, and cloud as the other two legs. We've been doing this in Michigan quietly. We really embody the West Michigan work ethic of just rolling up our sleeves and getting the work done. And then we're proud of the work we do and we like to take credit for it. But we're also not the big flashy cloud service providers that have their logos on everything. And so we're not necessarily a household name, although a lot of the um, IT leaders in the Midwest are familiar with us. And many people are very familiar with us, with our power, the the foundation of our business that we built on the network and the fiber assets that we own. Oh, that's awesome. um, Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So for those maybe unfamiliar with this space by data centers and fiber, you mean like those buildings where everything's in the cloud and then uh, the wires in the ground, or or I think uh, it's glass that actually bring the uh, internet to businesses and to the data center. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when I'm talking with folks who aren't necessarily IT nerds, I will use almost like a building analogy, right? You have a house or you have a building and that's the the foundation and you have to get power so you have electricity and heat into, into the house. So then the, when we say fiber or network, that would be the utilities that you use to heat and light your house, mm-hmm. as well as the Wi-Fi in your house so you can stream your Netflix. And then the building, the home itself, is that's what a data center would be. When you open up a data center and you go inside, it's almost sometimes it looks like Mission Impossible in some of these movies, <laughs> rows and rows of... Uh, racks with servers and storage devices and switches in there, um, all powered. And so there's electricity to it. So they work. So the lights are blinking. And then there's network to it. The little packets of data can go back and forth between the business and that gear. And then the cloud is this thing up in the sky. So what is it? You can't touch it. You can see it. But if you, that is actually the same thing that you see in the data center, all those servers and things like that. But in over the network, in, in the cloud. So it's through software, you can provide those resources that you're providing in a 
piece of equipment. So when we say we have a data center, so we have eight homes, right, throughout the Midwest. So we have four data centers in Michigan and two in Indiana, one in Wisconsin and Illinois. And so those are oftentimes other, their customers' servers, it's the brains of their network. And then they disconnect to it through the network or through the internet, through the cloud. And then we also have cloud pods in those data centers as well. So we're providing the same resources to people through our, our private cloud. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's, that's really a, cool. A so what does a there. <laughs> customer look like for you guys? I think you're, you're telling me about maybe some hospital systems that use your services. Yeah. So the thing about IT is whether you're a manufacturer producing parts for an automotive, one of the big three, or a hospital system, or maybe a financial institution like a, um, a bank, some of the basics are all the same. You have data and you have to store it and you have to protect it and you have to secure it and you have to access it. And then depending on which particular industry you're in, there's different regulations. So we really do have, I think, a sweet spot of working with regulated industries. If you think about a high level like that, hospital systems have a lot of regulations and compliance from a HIPAA and other things, banking institutions, financial institutions as well. We have some very large hospital systems that we do support. Some, I think five of the, of the 12 largest in the Midwest are customers. We also have several large financial institutions. In the banking world, I would call them more mid-market players. So not sure... Bank of America and JP Morgan Chase, but more your mid-sized regional players. That's so that they, those are a, a, a big part of our resources and services that we support. But we also support quite a few small businesses in mid-market. So companies with 20 employees, maybe one location being in Michigan, and that's where we started and that's where our headquarters are. We actually have quite a few manufacturing customers that that their assets, their business is a little different than a hospital system, but we learn from those larger enterprises and we can apply to those smaller businesses in mid-market as well. Oh, that's awesome. So obviously 2020 has been a crazy year. It's yeah. had all sorts of implications for different businesses and industries. What does this year look like for you guys? It's been an interesting year, to say the least. And in prep for our conversation today, I was trying to think of several words to describe it. And I would say flexible. Like mm. we've, I feel like we've, one of the reasons why we've been around for 20 years is that we are flexible for our customers. Individually, as employees, and as family members, and we've all had to be very flexible and very quickly. So we have to adapt, flex, and transform how we do things. So as we approach our customers, everybody, for the most part, everyone who was able to work remotely, we shifted immediately to enable our own employees and teammates to work remotely. Now we have a technical operations center that's running 24-7, mm. 365. So those folks really did need to be in the technical operations center, but we also enabled them to work remotely and created like, we. and I can't even, my brain doesn't, doesn't work this way, but figured out a way for, from a scheduling perspective. So we always had redundancies in place. So if we needed to be remote, some people could work remotely. Some people could be in the office that if in an event, anyone did get sick, we have backup. We had no COVID up, have had no COVID outbreaks within our, among our employees. And that's something we're very proud of as a business. We, we have to support ourselves. We look at ourselves as a family, if mom and dad are sick. That's going to be, it's really hard to take care of the kids. And our okay. job is to take care of our kids. So if you look at it that way, 
we made sure our employees are very healthy and safe. And then there we can be, make sure our customers can be healthy and safe. And to that end, in, I think it, it's like I had to think back, like, when did this all start? So when the initial shutdowns and everything shifted, if you remember those, there was like a week in March where like every day there were new and I, I don't want to say restrictions because that has a negative connotation, but new implications to how we should be handling COVID. How's that for a different yeah, yeah. way to say it? So, you know, that week, our provisioning team, our contracts team, our technical operations center, those guys were working all day, every day to provision an increased bandwidth for our customers because all of a sudden you had, I'm just going to use financial institutions, for example, you have some folks who are working from home already in their role, but a majority of you have tellers and things like that. They're not working from home. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden a bank that maybe is more traditional, everyone comes into work, they work out of the office and then they go home. was like, we have to figure out a way to maintain operations and have everybody work from home. I mean, that, that whole, those teams that all support our networking customers, really, they get gold stars for just hustling and getting it all done. The other thing is that we, so flexibility, but I would also say resiliency. And also, you know, we tried to take this time to look at our own business and our processes to say, what can we do to be more efficient, more responsive, to better serve our customers? How can we be easier to do business with? So that has really impacted things that most people probably don't get excited about, but especially from a sales perspective, we looked at our contracts and we looked at our length and our language and are there clauses and pieces and parts of our contracts that really don't make sense for our customers anymore or for our business. And so we transformed those things and really listened to whatever customers said, because we've had customers say, I really want to buy this. It's going to take my legal team two weeks to go through this contract to review it. And that, that's not a customer-friendly posture. It, that doesn't make sense for us or for them. We've tried to take a time to look at how we can grow and evolve and transform our business, be easier to work with. Some of the other things that we've done this year is, and we started this before COVID. So I think it was really, I don't want to say futuristic thinking, but it was very, we were fortuitous to put this in place. But instead of having termed contracts for a majority of our services on the cloud and data protection side, we now have month to month terms. And some of our competitors are offering that, but they also offer for the flexibility of month to month, you have to pay the highest price per month. We flipped it on its head. We understood that there's a risk, but what we also looked at majority of our customers when they were contracting and signing terms for these data protection and cloud services, they're not they come and they stay and they're going to stay for a very long time. So mm. we don't, we felt the risk on the business was worth taking to be more flexible for our customers. And that has actually enabled quite a few customers to say, okay, I'm finally going to try this. There's less risk to the business. If our workloads change, we can reduce it. If our gro- we have growth, we can come back to you a signal and figure out how can we restructure this? So it's cost-effective for us and, if it's not working, uh, they can leave and go to another provider or their business changes dramatically, they can leave and go to another provider. I think the flexibility there and just removing those obstacles and barriers that aren't necessarily customer friendly has really helped us this year. But being in sales, it's also been very hard. It's great to look at you and do this video call. And it is definitely better than just talking on the phone or sending emails, but it doesn't replace if this weren't COVID, I could envision us sitting together across the table doing this. And I think we all crave that interaction. And 
and just that human contact. So we do miss that. And my team and myself included, we're, we're like, we're long for the day when we can have lunch with a customer or bring coffee or have a lunch and learn and talk about a new product or solution. Would you yeah. say that's been your biggest challenge is just the remoteness of everything now this year? Yeah, I think so. As a sales leader with my team, I think that's been, been a big challenge. We try to do things to overcome that with obviously video calls and just trying to stay more engaged. But it, I think that's been a big challenge is the lack of face-to-face. And then I think the other challenge that I everybody who is in any type of business, I think in 2020 has probably faced is that there's a lot of unknowns. In general, businesses don't like risks. Right. And as we're looking to, as customers are looking to invest in our services, and in many cases, it may be a new way of doing things. So the old way or the, I want the traditional or status quo is probably to have your own hardware in your own building that you're powering, that you're securing, that you're heating and you're cooling. It's a capital asset. You depreciated over on a schedule over amount of years. And then when it's time to replace it, so you you have this whole refresh cycle of maybe three to five years, three to seven years. So the Midwest has typically not been bleeding edge and maybe not even leading edge and we're more conservative in how we manage our businesses. I know one business owner I talked to joked about how everybody in, in West Michigan has the first dollar they've ever earned still. They're holding on to it. And those are really good things that makes for staying power and in other things, but it can also be present a pretty big challenge when you are forced to transform your business overnight with Mm, working from home, for example. And if your IT staff has to come in to manually run a backup and then manually take those backups to secure location and that location is now closed because of COVID, it does present additional risks. So that has been a challenge, I think, to... To, because you get a lot of businesses that are like, okay, we know we want to move forward um, and transform or take this additional step forward to do things a little differently. But now we don't know what our sales are going to be like in quarter three and quarter four. We don't know what our, our 2021 projections will be. So we're reluctant to cut a big check or make a big change. But on the flip side, so that's been a challenge, but that's also actually been an opportunity for us as mm. well, because what we've been able to do to say to many of those businesses is we understand that, and it may not be maybe your preferred method for consuming IT in the past was more of a capital expense and depreciated over time, but now you don't necessarily want to cut millions of uh, $5 million check for new hardware that's just going to be an asset that's going to depreciate over a period of time. How about shifting those re- that spend to more of an operating expense mm. and grow into it? So um, maybe you don't refresh all of your hardware. You could look at, hey, which were these workloads could go into the cloud, could go into a private cloud. Maybe these, this, we can protect this data in this manner rather than buy new hardware for it. So it has opened up additional conversations as well. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. We have both the challenge, but also an opportunity here, it sounds like. Right. It sounds like mm-hmm. you guys have really had a strong year despite 2020 being hard and uh, have really uh, leaned into the opportunity present. We have, yeah. It's been a good year when you look at the actual numbers and what's sold. And, and it's actually been fascinating if you're 
a data nerd to look at what product lines were selling and growing more and which ones were stayed the same and which decreased. And because that gives us insight into what the market is responding to. But I think the biggest, yeah. And again, I don't think you can over, you cannot overestimate just a resilient posture. And you, it's not all mind over matter. I think when this first started, we took great care to say, okay, again, going back to that metaphor of a family, let's take care of our of mom and dad. So let's take care of our employees and then we'll take care of our family, which is our customers. And just keeping that in our focus really t- helped me personally. And I think it helped my team and our entire company when you have a day where you're like, okay, nobody, nobody's answering their phones. Nobody's responding to my emails. We can't meet. This time last year, we all gathered for a holiday party. All those things can get you down. And then you think, okay, what are we doing here? And we got to think about, our, we got to help our businesses, our customers maintain, stay steady and get, we'll get through it. And, and I think too, having the benefit of being privately held has really helped us weather this storm mm. because we're, we are business, right? So we, we need to, we can't take losses every day, but oh. we also are privately held and we've, we're in Michigan and we're conservative people. So we want to make sure that our business stays operational, our employees stay employed so they can take care of their families. Having that strong financial position going into this, I think really helped us because we didn't have to report to the street that we had a decrease in this particular product line, but an increase in another. So it was like, don't worry about that stuff. Just roll up your sleeves, get to work, support our customers and the revenue will follow. And we really found that to be true this year more than anything. That's awesome. So what are some ways in which you build lifelong relationships with your customers, both personally and in sales as well as a company? Yeah, so it's interesting. I was thinking about this kind of in prep for our conversation today too. And I thought people, you'll probably hear a lot of similar answers. Be a trusted advisor, show that you care. And I I shouldn't say that with an inflection that's trite because I think those things are very important. But I think it really boils down to, I took, I was thinking like two things, like listen, and first and foremost, like actively listen and try to, why? We want to understand our, their business and what challenges they're facing. And then understanding that helps us provide more valuable solutions that support their business. And it's mm-hmm. really that simple. And then being patient. So I think about two things. So I'll talk about listening and understanding their business first. So with COVID, we support Pine Rest Christian services. And so they provide like critical mental health services to the West Michigan community. And so very much of what they do is in person. And when the pandemic first hit, they were, they called us and said, what can we do to, we, we have to continue to operate. We now more than ever, people need our help. We've got to put some restrictions in place. And so we immediately um, went into action and our team that supports them worked day and night to get to increase their bandwidth to provide basically to support them in being able to do uh, telemedicine. Mm. And so the, the information we received back for them, I think it was at the end of March, it was like 140 some percent. And I, I might have that number wrong. It might've actually been higher than that, but I, wow. I definitely remember it was m- almost more than, it was definitely more than 140% um, <laughs> increase in telemedicine appointments, counseling sessions is the best way to differ. And so the number, and then they had quantified the amount of people that that really represented. And that mm. to me 
was very impactful personally because I thought this is what we do. It's not speeds and feeds and blinking lights and CPU and RAM. It is, but then it's like, what are we doing this for? And that knowing the services they provide, we've been supporting them for a very long time. And they are also an organization that we support with our charitable giving. So we have a real inside look at the need and the good that they provide to be able to support that was really impactful for our entire business. And and we were able to do that so quickly. And I think so effectively because we understood their business. And I would say being listening, listen and being flexible is, is a big key. Another story that I think about, it was previous to my time at US Signal, but I was working, our team was working for a very large engagement for a publicly traded retail organization out of Texas and great people, really smart technologists. And it was a long sales cycle. So we had already been working with these folks for probably six months and Mm -hmm. the need was there. We had demonstrated the value. We had ownership and buy-in, if you want to say that from a sales perspective at every level. So the the technologists, the finance folks. And so it was in, in contracts had been approved. And so we were waiting for final sign off by the, the CFO. And then the end of the quarter came and their stock performance dropped precipitously. And there's nothing like getting ready in the morning and listening to your financial news and you're hearing, you're like, oh no, what's this going to do to my deal? Oh, yeah. um, and sure enough, about two hours later, I get a phone call from the CIO that said, I, I, I have bad news. And so they had suspended all purchases the board at the board's direction due to their stock price for months for the foreseeable future. And I remember having an unpleasant conversation with my leadership at the time. And I remember someone, what do you plan on doing? And I'm like, if you can manipulate the stock, that would be helpful. I don't think I like, I'm pretty good at what I do, but I can't do that. We had a choice in that manner after that we could suspend our trial because they were using a trial product we could say, hey, it's great. I'll check in with you three months now, six months and see, or just turn and go focus on the next thing. But what we did and is we were like, we're going to maintain this trial. I'm going to try to put some language in place to say, we're going to extend the trial of our products with the understanding that when you have the ability to purchase, you will be purchasing our product first. Mm-hmm. And they felt that was very reasonable because they understood the value of what they were getting from us in the meantime is they're getting this product without being able to pay for it. It, it. So they were willing to give us that promise. And that took a lot of trust on both parts, but then the trust paid off because it was probably about six months later that I got a phone call. Hey, we're ready to go. You're going to get a PO today. Right. We're good. Even though I'm not with that organization anymore, I still am, am friends with those folks. And I love seeing the updates on LinkedIn about what they're doing today with the technology. Cause I'm like, I was a part of that. We listened, we understood the business. We flexed. We were patient. So I think when you think about how do you make a lifelong customer, it really boils down to those things is if you listen and understand their business and try to be flexible, they will come back to you and stay with you. And I love that too. Like we just closed a deal last week out of Southeast Michigan where the IT director is new in his organization and he came from another company that was a US Signal customer and still is. So once he, he had been in, he's been in his new job for a month and said, hey, I have this need. I know this company. The, his leadership had not heard of us, surprisingly. We're able to, he opened that door, we introduced ourselves and built the trust quickly with his CFO and we got the order on Friday. I think that to me is a testament to, we, if we listen and we provide value, those customers will stay with us. 
And I think the bigger thing too, or other thing um, I would include in this is be real and human. We all want to be perfect and not make a mistake and not drop the ball. We work very hard to provide excellent service to our customers, but things will invariably go wrong. So when they do, it, that I think how you handle that makes will really make or break how long you have this relationship with the customer. So if you say, listen, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Let's try to figure out what happened and then let's build off that. So we put, so this won't happen again. And if we can be honest and transparent about those things, I think that also that really builds a lot of equity with that customer, with that person. They like learn to trust you because you've been real because things happen. We try to set forth as to have perfect implementations and migrations, but sometimes something happens. And so when that does, it's if we're real about it and trust me, we don't like to make mistakes. So it bothers us when we do. So if we don't delight a customer, if we own up to it, I think that also helps us in the long run. Totally. I can't agree more. So that's awesome. So leading off of that, what key advice should other sales and marketing leaders uh, take away from this conversation? Out of all that, I, I think there's some great knowledge and wisdom and insights there. What should be the key takeaway? It's not about you. It's about your customer. I've been in technology for 20 years or so. And so I've worked as a partner. I've worked almost on the OEM side, working for a software company, and now as a for a cloud service provider. And I think what I have seen both in myself, my teams, and even the vendors that support my business. So like the big players, the Microsoft and Cisco and VMware, Veeam, Zerto, those folks, is if it is about your customer, you will win 90% of the time, you'll win so much more than you will if it's about you. Mm. So if I'm a tech, and I'm not going to pick on any one hardware or software supplier, but if it's all about their, what are they doing? They're launching new products and new versions and encouraging you to upgrade or add on. So if it's all about, Hey, we have this promo this quarter and we're pushing this new type of servers and here's why you need to upgrade and it's valuable to your business. That's about you. And it may be very true, very, it may be like, this is the solution this customer really needs. But if you're going into that engagement and that relationship to say, it's about our new shiny thing, the latest and greatest, it, there's no value to the customer. And I've seen that. I've seen people, if it's all about, I want to make a number this quarter, this month, that, that's your timeline. That's your time frame. That's not the customer's. So I would be... And so sometimes I'll say things like, don't be coin operated, because if you're coin operated, it's about you. It's about your business, your sales, your getting your numbers and be, be customer operated. So I, I guess it boils down to that as if you think about what's best for your customer and then you know, work from there. And it's okay for us to evangelize because I think our services provide a lot of value for most customers, but understanding what their needs are first and then mapping what we can provide to them. Love it. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for joining, Carrie. It was, it was great chatting with you. Yeah, that's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing all your wisdom, insights, and knowledge here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be asked and look forward to hearing what others have to say 